You're listening to Westside Church. For more information, visit us at westsideinfo.com. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for being here. If, if you weren't here last Sunday, Happy New Year. We're so glad. We're especially uh, uh, glad that some newer people are with us, brand new people. Maybe this is your first time. We wish you a very warm West Side welcome. And uh, I'm going to get into uh, preaching in just a minute. I want to have uh, Randy come up and give us a testimony. And I asked him to repeat this from uh, Wednesday night. Yeah. Um, I've, I've reached a milestone in my uh, walk and, and in my life right now. I'm uh, clean and sober for a year. <laughs> and um, uh, a little bit of my testimony is that I walked away from God about 25 years ago. And as a word of encouragement to everybody who has somebody that's a loved one, whatever, you're praying for them. Do not stop. Yes. I am a living proof of God's relentless love and his relentless drawing of one to back to him. And he is faithful. He'll do it. Amen. Do not give up. Never, never, ever give up. Oh, you're starting to preach my sermon in just a few minutes. <laughs> Thanks, Randy. Love you and uh, appreciate you guys. If you ever have a testimony, please come up to the front before the service and just tell uh, one of the elders uh, sitting up here and we'll, we'll work it in. We want to give God glory uh, because it's due to him. And so, Father, thanks for this day. I pray that you would open our hearts and our, our, our eyes to see what you have ahead for us, to hear what you have for us. I pray that you... <laughs> as you promised in your word that the Holy Spirit would lead us and guide us into all truth. So God, we commit to you right now. We don't want to go home the same way we came today. We want to go home a little bit more like Jesus, a little better equipped. Thank you for that, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, a lot of folks in the church are recovering from illnesses and uh, colds. Terry's out. Uh, She got just hit like yesterday afternoon and evening, just boom, just like that. And I know a lot of others are. And so we want to continue praying uh, for them. And uh, we, are, we are in a new year here. It's 2017. And uh, if you're older like me, that kind of blows you away. I remember when I was a teenager, I watched a futuristic space show called Space 1999. You know, that was like the far distant future. How many else watched it? I know some of you did. All right. Or Lost in Space. No, wait a minute. Lost in Space? That, yeah, oh, I was in love with Angela Cartwright when I was in junior high. And uh, anyway, um, time flies. Our, our theme this year is fruitfulness. We have a theme that we've done for the last 10 years. Or so actually, we're going to change out that six-year graphic back there and put, I uh, got one on order for nine, the last nine years uh, of what God has uh, brought us through. So we don't want to just forget the past, Uh, We don't want to just say, oh, you know, we did uh, the basics, we did loving Jesus, we did the Great Commission, now we're going to go on to something else. No, we build upon it. And uh, we never want to forget the things that God is bringing us through and teaching us. And so, uh, anyway, uh, our our theme this year is fruitfulness, and I'm going to talk about that this morning. And so I'm so thankful that this last year, uh, 
the church here at Westside, Westside is people. It's us. We were fruitful. People came to Jesus. People got baptized. Over this summer, usually pastors are, are dead afraid of summer because they, this dreaded summer slump. And uh, we actually had a summer surge this year. Um, we had more people in attendance over the summer. We grew in attendance over the summer. And just phenomenal things. I'm so grateful to God for His faithfulness. And so uh, looking forward to this year in 2017. If you've been around Westside for a long time or you're just brand new to Westside, here's where we're going this year. Here's where we're going. In 2017, we're going the same direction we've been going. We're going to pursue Jesus. We have our eyes fixed on Jesus the author and finisher of our faith. At the end of 2017, there's a whole slew of you that are going to have read through the whole entire Bible. Some of you, for the first time in your life, there's going to be more people that have given their hearts to Jesus this year. There's going to be stronger marriages. There's going to be better and healthier relationships. There's going to be more of an impact into your arena uh, where God has placed you and He's called you and gifted you for such a time as this. Nobody else can reach the people that God has called you to reach. Nobody else can influence and be an example for the people in your sphere of influence like you can. Yeah, together here we have a wonderful sense of community. We have young, old, rich, poor, and everything in between. But God's put us in a family, and He's made us healthy. Not just to sit here and wallow in our health, but to make a difference out there. This is the place where we get fixed up. This is the place where we get encouraged. And so the same direction that we've been going, pursuing Jesus with everything that's within us, that's the direction we're going to keep going. Amen? It may look different. We're in a different property than we were years ago. And, you know, there's slight things happening, you know, all the time, little things happening. There's new babies coming. Uh, Things look different. In 40 years, I won't be pastor here at this church. But your kids will be leading this church and grandkids and they'll be making a difference in this region. And as a result, there'll be churches planted around this nation and possibly around the world. Uh, So let's stay focused on Jesus. Let's keep him first and foremost. That's 2017. Just a little bit of insight uh, there. And I'm looking forward to that. We're in in, uh, Romans here. I'm excited about it. We started in in September and we're going to go through it till Easter. By the way, please reserve Easter. Easter morning, we're going to be over at the fairgrounds. Uh, Last year was the first year we did it. We rented the uh, big, whatever building it is, the biggest building there. And uh, we had the largest attendance we've ever had on a Sunday morning uh, at Westside. It was a lot of fun, and we didn't have to do three or four services. We just had one big service. That was was nice. And um, a great big, huge celebration. This year, we're going to do the same thing, only better. We're going to be fruitful. Whatever we did last year, we're, our prayer is that we'll do it better and do it more expeditiously and excellently and uh, lift up and magnify uh, the name of Jesus in a greater way. So please reserve Easter uh, to bring family and friends. You know why? Because that's one time in the year where a lot of people will say yes. And so just be thinking about that. It's in April, early April, and, and uh, we're getting, we had a big planning meeting yesterday for it, our second planning meeting for it, where we actually are... Uh, getting very excited about that. So uh, anyway, we're going to finish uh, Romans right at that time. 
So Romans is about the gospel. The gospel is the good news. If you read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 and 2 there, uh, it says, what, uh, I gave to you what was most important, what was first, what was foremost, Paul says. And that Jesus came, as the scripture said. He lived a sinless life, as the scripture said. He died, uh, was buried, and rose again, just like was prophesied. And he's coming back again for us. That's the primary thing. That's the gospel, that we can have peace with God. And the gospel is always, always, always about Jesus. And so I want to read in a uh, passage uh, in chapter 6 here. And we said last week that the chapters leading up to this have been a lot about justification. We've been saved. We've been declared righteous before God. And so now we have a good standing, a right standing before Him. The next few chapters are going to be more about sanctification. Justification is we have been saved. Sanctification is we are being saved. All right? So don't confuse those. If you understand those, actually, you're a brilliant theologian because over here, justification, everything's been paid for. Jesus said it's finished. We've, we're, we're Christians. We're his children. We're going to go to heaven. Uh, nobody can take that away from us. We've said yes to Jesus. But now... We have this obligation and responsibility as part of God's family to grow up, just like the babies. We don't mind the babies. We don't mind feeding them and taking care of them and changing their diapers. But we don't want to do that when they're 19. All right? We expect them to grow. We expect them to mature. And just like that, we want to grow in God. So that's what this is talking about. Paul says in Romans 6, starting in verse 12, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. That's our title today, New Life. So, use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. So, sin is no longer your master. Jesus has broken the curse of sin and death. And so, yes, we live in bodies that have sinful desires, but it no longer masters us. We now have choices as believers, and he expects us to grow and to mature and to begin making all our choices for him. Not so we'll be saved. We've already been saved, uh, but because we have been saved. That's wonderful. Isn't that great? I think it's deep and brilliant and fun, and we're going to dissect it a little bit here. Point number one today. Randy... Never, 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 ever, ever give up. All right? We stole that one from Winston Churchill, and Winston Churchill stole that one from Paul. Okay? So it's right here. <laughs> Romans six twelve. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Why? Because we've died to sin. We're dead to sin. Uh, we, we said last week, if you weren't here, we said you cannot tempt a dead person. You can't tempt a dead person. We've died. Uh, so we don't have to let the power of sin reign over us uh, anymore. In fact, we're free from the slavery of sin. We're not under that bondage. The chains have been broken. 
Um, but at the same time, every day we make a willful choice. Remember, God is sovereign. Sovereign means he's number one. He's in charge. He's supreme. Read uh, Colossians 1. He's supreme. He's sovereign. He is the head honcho of the universe. He created everything. We are not it. He is it. All right? And so he's supreme. And, and we're not. And in his supremacy, he chose to give you a will. You have a will. All right? Yes, it's subject to his sovereignty, but you have a will. You have a choice. And so we need to consciously reject our old slave ways. We don't want to go back to Egypt. Remember the old Keith Green song? Egypt represents our old sinful nature. We were freed. We're set free. And a lot of us, sadly, we live our lives wandering in the desert. Yeah, we're out of the old life, but we haven't gone into the promised land yet. And he brought us out of to bring us into. He brought you out of your old life to bring you into all the promises, all the future, everything that God has for you. And when the children of Israel went over, over to the new land, God said, okay, I've got you in. Miracles. Red Sea parted. Manna for 40 years. You know, all these things, all these miracles. The, the Jericho, walls of Jericho came down. Okay, now you're in there. You know what God said? Now you go and fight for the rest of it. And that's how it is when we come to Christ. He saves us. He delivers us. And miracles. Maybe we stop cussing. Maybe we stop chewing. Maybe we stop going with girls who do that stuff. And so... (laughs) God wants us to grow. And we have to fight for every step. So these old nasty sins that we so uh, hate... By the way, if you hate your sin, you're in good company. God hates it too. Showed how much he hates it by pouring out his wrath on his son at the cross. That's the result of our sin. My sin, your sin. So now we go out and we fight for the rest. Why? So we can develop perseverance. So we can develop faith. So we can develop a reliance on God and a trust on him that we so desperately need. Paul says here in no uncertain terms, stop it. Don't give up resisting this sin. We must resist sin. It's an imperative. It's a forceful command. It's get on your front foot. I don't know if a lot of people... Front-footed means you're ready for action. If you're a boxer or if you're a football player or anything where you have any kind of contact sport, you better be leaning forward. You don't want to be on your back foot because it just takes a little bit to push somebody off balance. But if you're leaning into it, forcing into it, okay, then... You are resisting, actively resisting. When the wind kicks up this afternoon, go out and stand in it if you dare, and you're going to have to lean into it a bit, according to the weatherman. We'll have to see if it comes. But we're responsible for resisting sin. So a few things here, how to take our stand against sin. First of all, it's a good idea to recognize personal weaknesses. Just recognize them. And we all have weaknesses. We all have things that we're strong in and not really a temptation. And other people succumb to those temptations. Find out what yours are. Think about it for a while. Just think about it. I, I, most of you know, as a foster child, I grew up, I, I didn't know my dad when I was a little kid. I met him later as an adult and we became friends. But uh, he had spent time when I was a kid in prison for gambling. He was a gambler. He was a gambleraholic. What do you call it? Gambleaholic, is that a word? 
gout, something. He and my mom split up over that. And I, I think I could have got sucked into that pretty easy. There's like a, a weakness on that side. That's why I stay away from that kind of stuff. Find out what your weaknesses are, or what they might be, or what God's already delivered you from and brought you out of, and don't go back to it. Be wise. Talk to a couple friends about it. Get some, get some counsel. Uh, confront those sinful desires. Stand strong and, and, and fight, fight, fight. Hire a little high school cheerleader to dance around in your brain saying, fight, 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 like this all the time to resist the sin in your life. And stay away from the sources of temptation. Stay away from those. Don't, don't go near those. Um, practice self-restraint. Consciously invest time in good habits and service. You know what? The, one of the best good habits to have is an accountability partner. Husband and wife, you're your number one accountability partner, by the way. Uh, but guys, you need a couple guys that you can pray with and talk to, at least one or two. And same with the gals and you don't share it all. You don't have to share details all over the place, but there should be some people where you're an open book and they can speak truth into your life and you can speak truth into theirs. And depend upon the grace of God. Depend upon God to help you grow and to mature. Let the peace of God rule in your heart, but don't forget that you're going to have this struggle with sin until the day you die. It's not going to go away because you're stuck in a sin-filled body, flesh. And your spirit, part of you, wants to serve God, wants to love God, and hates the sin. And there's this ongoing struggle in your soul, in the middle here, our mind, our will, our emotions, who you are. I can't fully figure that out. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not God. But I think I see it. God's triune being, Father, Son, and Spirit. He created us in His image. We have three kind of three parts to us. They're all us. Can't separate them. Uh, but body, soul, and spirit, but you have this ongoing struggle in our life, and Paul's going to talk about it in a couple chapters. But we resist sin in our life. We do everything we can to confront it, to expose it. Confession is wonderful. You know why? Because light dispels darkness. When you confess something, you get it out in the open, get it out, and that's 90% of its power is broken. When you just confess it and and, and ask for forgiveness and, and share it with one or two others. So, number two. This is my favorite point. Well, maybe not, but today I love this. It's difficult to sin while worshiping. It's difficult to sin while worshiping. In the first part of verse 13, Paul says, Don't let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. All right? We understand that our lives as believers are to be lives of worship. It's an offering of worship. Uh, David, King David in the psalm says, it's a sacrifice of praise. When we come in here and we start, I mean, who on earth, who do you know, goes out and hears, listens to a live band at 9 o'clock on Sunday morning? It's like, oh, I'm not even awake yet. Come on. Like this. Sometimes... Most of the time, people come in here, they're really excited, anticipating, loving, worshiping God. Sometimes people are here because they slap themselves upside the head and said, I will go to church today. I'm going to worship with my friends. I don't feel like it. Do you know why? Because it's not about me anyway. It's about him. That's why David calls it a sacrifice of praise. 
So one of the great byproducts of worship is, yes, we get encouraged and strengthened and filled with joy, and our focus gets on Jesus. But it's not about us. It's about him. And so if our whole lives are an offering of worship to him, there's no room for sin. If we're so full of him, there's no room for sin. Paul says, pray without ceasing. This concept of knowing that God is with you every moment of every day, of making him your best friend, of talking to him, of saying the big things and the little things. Some people get up in the morning, go to the closet and say, Lord, what should I wear today? And other people look at that and go, God doesn't care what you wear like this. I don't, I don't care what the argument is. Know that God is with you every moment of the day, all the time. And let your life be an offering of worship to him. Here's a couple of examples. During the singing time today, did any of you cuss? It's difficult to sin while you're worshiping. It's different. It's difficult to be angry when you're intensely reading the Bible. As many of us are signed up for the Bible challenge of reading through the chronological Bible. It's difficult to sin when you're totally intent on God's Word. It's difficult uh, to look at porn while you're witnessing to somebody. No, seriously, it is difficult to sin while you're worshiping. So how about if we worship all the time? If we are so full of him, we don't have time for anything else. Number three, life always grows. Let's, this is, I'm going to concentrate on this point this morning because we're launching our theme for the year of fruitfulness. Life always grows. Where there's life, there is growth. The second half of verse 13, Paul says, So now you have new life, so use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. I love that. So I believe that every Christian, every believer, every child of God who's born again needs to have a theology or an understanding of the doctrine of increase and fruitfulness. It's all through Scripture. You need to have it. You need to own it. And so I encourage you. There, the handout today, there's a ton of verses. We're gonna, I'm going to read a ton of verses. All through the Bible, uh, the Word of God talks about fruitfulness. So the kingdom of God is always about increase. It's always about fruitfulness. It's always about moving forward. Always, always, always. God is about you growing some people get mad at me sometimes and say I have the ministry of stretching them. It's not me. It's Jesus gently pulling you apart limb from limb. You got this hard. <laughs> but I'm not going to stop. I want to keep growing. Sometimes it is painful. You know what's painful is dying to ourself. Getting, getting rid of me. Like, like John said, he must increase, I must increase. So here's a few verses. Uh, Isaiah 9. Verse 7, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Down at the end there it says, with justice, righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. God is always, always about increase. Luke 1, and behold, you'll conceive a, in your womb and, he'll, and you'll bear a son, call his name Jesus. He'll be great, be called the son of the most high and the Lord will give him uh, to him the throne of his father Jacob, uh, David and he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Philippians 1.6, I love this. Paul says, I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will 
bring it to completion, the English Standard Version says. Other versions say he'll finish it in you, he'll complete it in you, he'll mature it in you. He will keep on doing his work in you until the day of Jesus Christ. That's the day you meet him. It's the day he comes back or you die. The day you see Jesus. He's going to keep on working in you and growing in you and maturing in you. Don't think that you've arrived. It's one of the most dangerous things that we can do. Is just start skating. You know, you might go speed for a while, but you're going to start to slow down. It's hard to get that momentum back up again. Keep your focus on Jesus. Genesis 17, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I'm God Almighty, walk before me, be blameless, I'll confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers in 3511. Said it to Jacob, I'm God Almighty, be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and company of nations will come from you and kings will come from your body. Isaiah 9.3, you've multiplied the nation, you've increased its joy. Isaiah 40.29, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. John the baptizer said he must increase, but I must decrease. There's a recipe for putting to death the sin condition in your life. Fill yourself with Jesus. Allow him to take control. Acts 6, 7, the word of God increased. Number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. Great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Ephesians 4, 16. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You know how this body is going to grow and build itself up and do the things that God has called us to do when each part is doing its work. If half the parts of my body are not working, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And so each part whether it's visible or behind the scenes or whatever it is, do your part. Ask God, what is my part to help uh, the, this body grow? Colossians 1.10, as, So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. 1 Thessalonians 3.12, May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. Uh, in the King James Version of 1 Thessalonians 4.10, And indeed ye do it toward all the brethren which we are in Macedonia, but we beseech you, that means we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. In other words, uh, I want you to get better and better at it. Engl Eng English Standard Version says to do this more and more. New American Standard says excel still more. I love that one. Excel still more. And the message just down to earth says get better and better at it. Keep on getting better at it. God is always about us growing. So literally growing and increase, and that refers to uh, our children and uh, crops and our wealth. But figuratively, it's talking about uh, growing in the kingdom, uh, growing in maturity, growing in influence and effectiveness for you, yourself, for your family, and for the church. So here's a good challenge for us. Since God expects maturity and growth from it, how about we refresh and say, God, how can I be fruitful in 2017? It's the beginning of the year. It's kind of a fresh start. I love that. And so I have some suggestions for you in growing in intimacy during this year. How about time with Him, intimacy with God? 
Intimacy with God. Now that's a word that God gave us specifically three or four years ago, and it was part of our theme for that year, but that's a big deal. Intimacy with God. Now, to have intimacy, it takes time. You've got to spend some time. Uh, you need to spend time in prayer and the words. Uh, and most of your prayer, actually, most of your prayer with God, sitting with God, should be listening and not talking. Most of your time should be listening. Because prayer is not just your laundry list or your Santa Claus wish list for him. Prayer is spending time with him, worshiping him, listening to him. Yes, and asking him for things, getting into his word, asking him, what does this mean? Insight on these kind of things. Intimacy is is a big deal. When my daughter was 16, I didn't want her ever using that word, intimacy. Why? Because it involves closeness. We want to be so close to God that we can hear his whispers and feel his heartbeat, so to speak. You're not going to get his perspective until you spend time in his presence. Perspective is a big deal. When you get God's heart on things, when you spend time with him, you'll start to see things his way. And from his perspective. Uh, How about growing in our witnessing? The area of witnessing. Last year, go therefore. That was our theme last year. Go therefore. He's called us to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. This church is really good at affecting this community in this region. If we have, we have somewhere close to 500 regulars here at Westside, and if each of those gets into their sphere of influence and affects 25 people or 50 people or 100 people, just think of the thousands and thousands in this area that are being assaulted with the light of Jesus and the goodness and generosity of God is before them all the time. Are we becoming more effective in that? How are you going to do the uttermost parts of the earth part if you don't have a passport? How about starting there? 2017, never had a passport before. This year we get a passport. People start to go, no, like this. Seriously. If God called you to go to a Costa Rica trip or a Mexico trip or a, a, you know, a Maui trip, I don't think you need a passport for that, but <laughs> how are you going to go? Terry and I are going down to Australia, the equipped down in Australia next month. We'd love for people to go, but if you don't have a passport, there's no way you could go. You can't even start to think about going. We're going to Canada a couple times this year. We're going way over on the East Coast, way over in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Or New Brunswick, I, I don't know which uh, province it's in. Halifax is where we're going. Way over, it's five time zones away on North America. It's as far away as you can get, just about. But you need a passport to go there. How are you going to do that? Unless you don't do that. That's a little challenge for you. Uh, how about growing in 2017 in the area of victory over sin and the process of sanctification, which is what we're talking about? How about the power and presence of God working in your life? How about this? In 2017, you get so close to God and so full of his joy and, and power and wisdom that when somebody is sick, instead of throwing them the, the Advil bottle, you lay hands and ask God to heal them, and God heals them instantly. How many of in this room sitting right now have ever been healed? Not, not somebody prays for you and got healed really fast in a couple of days, it was all gone. That's all glory to God too. But how many have ever got healed instantly? Raise your hand up high. High, 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 high. All right? Ask any, and mine too. 
been healed instantly of something that you know that you know that you know that that was God. Just ask him about it. There's miracles. There's, God does miracles all the time. The difference between a major miracle and a minor miracle is a major miracle is the miracle that happens to you. All right? And nobody can take that away from you. That's part of your story. How about growing in the area of uh, using our gifts that he's given us? Some of you have brilliant business gifts. Some of you uh, have gifts in the area of civic responsibility and, and public policy. Some of you have gifts in the area of the arts or education or medicine or science or any number of things. How about expanding the gifts that God has given you? If you're a homemaker, don't ever let anybody put you down for being a homemaker. Just read Proverbs 31 regularly. Encourage yourself. If you're a homemaker, then expand your gifts this year. Get better at it. If everybody says you have the best chocolate chip cookies in El Dorado County, then make sure that you have and make the best chocolate chip cookies in California. Get better at it. Expand. Get better. And and become more uh, willing to use your gifts to serve others. Um, I love the story of George Washington Carver. Uh, He was a black man at the turn of the 18th century, the 1900s, early, late 1800s, early 1900s. He was a scientist. And here's what he said publicly. He believed that he could have, have faith both in God and in science. And they didn't contradict one another. And he integrated that into his life. And then on many occasions publicly, he declared his faith in Jesus was the only mechanism with which he could effectively pursue and perform the art of science. So he kept Jesus' focus as a scientist. And one day, uh, Carver asked God to show him the secrets of the universe. And God spoke to him in his heart and said, that's too big for you. And he said to God, will you show me the secrets of mankind? And God said, that's still too big. And George Washington Carver said, God, will you show me the secrets of the peanut? God said, I could do that. So George Washington Carver is credited for finding over 300 scientific uses for the peanut. Isn't that amazing? I think it's amazing. He's actually changed our life, modern life, because of his discoveries and his patents. How about that kind of fruitfulness? How about fruitfulness in our service to him? If you're part of Westside, God's called you here. This is your home church. Find a way this year to serve somewhere. There's so many dozens of jobs around here. This church is run by volunteers. There's two full-time pastors in this church and one, one full-time uh, administrative person. That's it. The rest of us are all volunteers. And the full-time people who work here, we also volunteer and do stuff that we're not paid for. Some of you like to be up front. Go for it. Some of you like to be behind the scenes. Do it. Find a way to serve him. How about uh, growing this year in our giving? How about growing in the area of having stronger marriages? If you have a great marriage, you can have a better marriage by the end of the year. If you have a wobbly marriage, this could be the year 
where you grow and you're fruitful in that area. You don't know how that will affect your kids and your grandkids. How about becoming more hospitable and more generous and more selfless and more encouraging and more forgiving? In every area, God calls us to increase. In 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, Paul says it this way. What are the two great commands? Love God and love others. Here's how he says it. Finally, brothers, we instructed you how to live in order to please God. That's loving God. As in fact, you're already, you are living. Now we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. You love God, do it more and more. And then down in verse 9, Now about brotherly love, we do not need to write you, to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all the brothers throughout Macedonia, yet we urge you to do so more and more. You love God? Do it better. 2017. You love each other? Do it better. 2017. What an exhortation. I love the uh, Chronicles of Narnia books. Uh, I read them to my children when they were young, and uh, good memories there, and they're reading them to their children now. And There's this one uh, little, little picture in the second one, Prince Caspian, where uh, Edmund and Lucy go back to Narnia. So it's just an analogy of the kingdom of God. It's a great way to give us a picture of his kingdom. And Aslan, the lion, is a representation of Jesus, and he says to Lucy, Welcome, child. And Lucy says, Aslan, you're bigger. And he said, That's because you're a little older, young one. She goes, Not because you are. He goes, I am not. But every year you grow, you'll find me bigger. So my prayer is that Jesus will become bigger in your life this year. Really. I want you to grow in him. I want you to be willing to be stretched and expanded and enlarged. And each of us is at a different level. Each of us has different calling, different gifts and abilities, whatever those are. Enjoy who God made you. Don't try to be somebody else. Do what he's called you to do. And the last one, number four, please don't slip into greasy grace. You know why it's called greasy grace? Because we slip on it. We slip right in there. And it's taking the extreme, oh, he's forgiven us? Oh, he's done all this? Oh, his grace is flowing all over us? Well, let's just send some more so more grace will come on us. That is ridiculous. Paul says, no way, heaven forbid, don't slip into that. Don't. It's like you're putting Jesus back on the cross again to die for you again. It's, it's, very, it's a slap in the face to Almighty God. Do you know why? Uh, in verse uh, 14, he says, Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under freedom of God's grace. This, this is really, it's free. We are free. We're set free. And we're free to sin if we want but it's foolishness to take that lightly. Yeah, we might fall into sin, but to plan on it and to rely on it and to say, ah, I'm going to just do this because I know God will forgive me. Hey, it's already forgiven me, right? No. Because the new covenant and grace, which is different from the old covenant and the law, grace is about your heart and God wants your heart positioned toward him. He wants you to be looking toward him. 
making him the focus uh, of your pursuit, making him your aim, keeping him uh, first and foremost, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author. He's the one that wrote it about our faith. He's the one that uh, perfected it for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. That's my prayer for us as Westsiders. Where's your heart today? Is it fixed on Jesus or is it fixed on you and your own pursuits? I encourage you today at the beginning of the year, once again, just say, Jesus, I'm following you. I'm fixing my heart on you because I want to, not because I have to. I'm not afraid. I love you. I, I'm so honored that you reached out toward me and made this possible for me. I do this because I want to, because I love you, not because I have to. I pray that we will be fruitful in 2017. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, thanks for this word today. It's very challenging indeed. I pray that before we go home that each one of us would have a couple things that we would be really intent on growing and maturing, allowing you to grow and mature these things in us during this year. God, we rely on you for that. Father, if anybody here is not a Christian, they don't know for sure if they're a believer. They don't know if they're born again. Father, I pray that they wouldn't leave today until they do know that you love them, that you died for them. And when they ask for you to forgive their sin and they trust in you and follow you with their whole heart and believe in you, that you will take them from death to life from darkness to light, from hopelessness to hope. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.